We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. It's a pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some JMU football with the beat writer for the Daily News Record. That is Noah Fleischman. He joins me every Monday and has throughout the football season. Let's kind of cap it all off after the victory over Coastal Carolina on Saturday. Noah, how are you, sir? Doing well, Dave. How are you doing? I'm great, man. Uh, I'm guessing Saturday was not what you expected to, to have happen. I think you probably expected a win, but wow, uh, not that dominant, right? Yeah, I wasn't expecting them to, you know, win by 40. I was expecting, you know, Jamie's a 14-point favorite, so obviously they were expected to win, but I don't think a 40-point blowout was anticipated, especially with 44 unanswered. Yeah, it was impressive to see what they did, especially after the first quarter. But, you know, what what stood out? What was the biggest thing that you were most impressed with on Saturday? You know, I think it was really defense, to be honest. I'll, of course, you know, Coastal Carolina playing without Grayson McCall, who's their, their best quarterback they have on the team. And, you know, two-time defending player of the year in the conference. But, you know, the defense, after the first quarter was over, gave up 80 yards the rest of the way. And I think that was, you know, really, really something that I thought was impressive. I mean, they gave up, I think, 4.7 yards of play in the first quarter. After that, it was 1.8 yards per play that Coastal ran. So that obviously is going to win games and force a lot of punts. And it worked out in Jamie's favor. You know, one thing, too, is I'm, I'm amazed that the defense was able to to kind of get back on track the way they were. And again, ODU is kind of banged up. Georgia State, uh, it's still a really good offense. That was the best rushing offense in, in the conference. Coastal still, I mean, they were still winning games. They, they won that game of Southern Miss, who's going to a bowl game without Grace McCall. But without Sam Kidd, having no Mikhail Kamara the last, last four, four games of the season, and just kind of missing some big pieces and having guys step up, I wasn't sure if they could get back to where they were early in the season, but boy, they, they, they exceeded that. They, they end the, the, the season with the top rushing defense in the country, which is still hard to believe, but they really didn't, they, they didn't lose anything by some guys being injured and being out here and there. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, that was kind of a question mark, right? You know, you lose your best safety in Sam Kidd, a guy who's been on this team for a really long time and you don't know what's going to happen. Francis Meehan, of course, stepped up into that role and played really well. Um, down the stretch, and talk about Mikhail Kamara, you know, he came back against Louisville, played 14 snaps, played the, probably the best 14 snaps of anyone on that field, uh, but then left with an injury and didn't come back the rest of the year. But yeah, you talked up. they had to finish with the best run defense. They finished with the fewest allowed first downs mm-hmm. allowed this year in the FBS. They finished with the ninth best total defense in the FBS, the third most sacks in the FBS, and the second most PFLs. All of that, of course, led the Sunbelt Conference. So, you know, defense... They rose to the, the challenge, I guess, for the entire year and um, are re- a really big reason why this team went 8-3. Remember when you and I were sitting up at, uh, at Bridge Four Stadium after one of the first practices and we're going through the depth chart and, and boy, they have no, no returning starters at linebacker, no starters except for Jordan Swan made one start in his career at, at corner. Um, pretty deep at safety, pretty deep up front, but then all of a sudden they're losing guys throughout fall camp. I just am amazed with this defense and what Coach Haynes and his coaching staff were able to do on that side of the football. I just, I didn't, I knew they'd be solid. I didn't know they could do what they did, especially their first year. I mean, their numbers this year, and, and statistically, they were not quite as good as what they were in the FCS, but they were the best in the FBS. I mean, that's crazy where, where we saw them at the beginning of the season. It is. I mean, we saw him at camp, and we're like, all right, it's going to be a decent a decent defense, you know, see how it transitions against better offenses. And boy, you know, for that first game, 44-7 mm-hmm. win, I think it was, against Middle Tennessee, and I think that's kind of when I was like, all right, this defense is legit, and, you know, they held on the rest of the way. I think, you know, they had they were really only 
bad game against Louisville, who's just a really really good team, was clicking all cylinders. Other than that, I think the other 10 games, the defense played really well. Really well. No question about that. We're trying to know a Fleischman from the Daily News record. On defense, who do you, later on this week we'll find out the uh, the all Sunbelt honors. Who's getting honored defensively? Do you think James Carpenter has a chance to be first team defense? I want to say yes, but I feel like he's one of those guys who does a lot of stuff well, but doesn't get a lot of recognition. So right. I, I, I think he deserves it, but I think honestly he may end up on second or third team, which is still a big thing for a guy who was started his career as a walk on offensive lineman. So I mean, there's that, but you know. Defensive line going to get a lot of honors with you know Izuku and, and a guy like you know Jamari Edwards yeah. came on late in the year and, and played really well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there. And you go linebacker. I think both of them have a shot. Um, and, you know, I think a guy like Sam Kidd may end up on a team somewhere, whether it's third team or honorable mention. I think his impact on on this team on the defense side of the ball, you know, was was shown before he uh, he had his shoulder surgery. Shoulder. Shoulder surgery. I can it, talk to it'll be interesting to see how many first team guys there are because, you know, you look at it and it's the best defense, one of the best defenses. Marshall's was really good too, but one of the best defenses in the conference. But I don't know that there is. I think Carp probably deserves it. Torres Jones probably deserves it, but I don't know that they'll get it. I mean, there's a ton of linebackers with gobs of tackles, so I, I don't know that Torres will get first team. And as you mentioned, a nose guard, it's kind of hard to, to stand out as a nose guard on the defensive line. Well, Isaac maybe. I, so it, 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 we'll see how it all plays out this week. But they may not have a first team guy. But it says about the, I guess, the ability of this defense to be able to play like they did, maybe without a first team guy or guys that deserve first team but didn't put up the numbers that that. Some people recognize them as first team, but it shows the depth of the not the depth, but just across the board at all positions how good they were. Yeah, especially I mean, you look at some of these teams like you know an old Dominion who's got a really good linebacker, Jason Henderson, but you know some of the other parts of the defense wasn't great. So you mm-hmm. know he'll probably end up first team linebacker, but they may not have really another defensive player on on the list or right. something like that. But you know, and a guy like James Carpenter who's gonna have to go up against Gerard Clark. From, from Coastal Carolina, who's probably an NFL caliber nose nose guard there. So I mean, that's going to be hard for him to break off the first team. But overall, I think this defense, as you said, it's it's you know a lot of guys that do really good at their job, and there may not be the dude who's super flashy and, and things like that, but they all do good at their job. And it, it, when you put all that together, it shows you know and what they could do nationally. A lot of the guys were talking about how they they, they trust the guy next to them, and that's what makes them a good defense. They can just work a bit, worry about their job, not worry about somebody else's, and then get out of position and do all that, and that's why this defense can certainly was what it was. We're talking to Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record as we kind of recap the Coastal game and, and just kind of look at this season. Offensively, it took a little while to get going. Todd missed some throws early in the game on Saturday, but once they got going, man, the middle of the football field was wide open, digs, slants. They were making big plays in the pass game. We thought that they could going in because of Coastal's pass defense being last in the Sun Belt, but uh, they exploited them for there for a while, especially in that first half. They did. I got like you know Devin Ravenel who went off for ninety four yards in the first half, which set a career high. He didn't yeah. have a game. Um, you know he was finding the openings and getting there, and, and you know the, Chris Thornton took a minute to get his first catch, but he he came on in the second half and played well. So obviously Todd Tail, after having back to back games where he's perfect, you know through his first 11 and 15 passes this time, not as it, he was probably one of his least efficient passes days um, this season. <laughs> a lot of yards though. <laughs> put up a lot of yards and touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. I think he had two or four at halftime. He only, but he was almost 50% completion percentage, but did he leave no doubt that he's the Sunbelt offensive player of the year? I think so. I think, you know, we, we've seen this team without him. We've seen this team with them and it's a totally different offense. And, and I think, you know, that is part of 
the thing, right? You you put up the numbers and do all that, which, you know, his numbers are among the best in the conference, but I think, you know, it's also an award of saying how valuable are you to this team, and, and he proved that this offense needed him to work this year, and, and I think that, you know, that, that should play, that should weigh on the, in the voters, and we'll see what they do, but I can't imagine another guy winning it. You know, to be honest, you know, the only other guy that I can see threatening him is the running back of Troy. But other than that, I think, you know, it's, it's Todd Santeos to lose at this point. And again, if McCall stays healthy, he has a couple of big games late probably, but by missing two games, I, I just feel like that's, I don't know that you can give it to him for missing two games. We'll see. Again, he had 21 touchdowns and one INT when he played, so his numbers were good. He was the, the two-time, he is the two-time Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year, but I just feel like it's going to be Todd's this year, especially with what they did and beating Coastal and winning the East like they did. We'll see how it all plays out later on this week. How about other first-team guys? KT probably has a chance at it. Um, maybe a Nick Kidwell on the offensive line. Percy, probably not first-team running back, but he'll get some honors as well. Um, but it also shows the depth of that offense. But I think Toddy will be first-team after that. We'll kind of see how it goes. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a possibility to Chris Thornton um, – you know, as first team receiver, obviously with what he did, put up a thousand um, this year, which is a hard thing to do. I mean, he finished with the third most receiving yards in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, behind Jamar, Jamari Thrash of Georgia State and, and Ollie Jennings of Old Dominion. So I think it's going to be a hard one to get into, especially since Ollie Jennings probably has one of those spots locked up, even though he's out for the rest of the year. And um, but I think he's got a shot for sure. And you know, Nick Kidwell. He's played, you know, really well on the offensive line when he when he's been on the field. So we'll see that. And you know, a guy that I think has a shot, maybe it's third team, maybe it's honorable mention, but a guy like Zach Corden has a shot to yeah. find his way onto the onto the thing, not for his receiving abilities, but more for his blocking and kind of what he can do on the offensive line kind of as a tight end. Both those tight ends might get something. I mean, maybe both get honorable mention, something like that. Again, we'll, we'll see. But that's one thing that we were a little unsure of going into this season was that tight end spot. And they really were able to utilize those guys quite a bit. And again, they they caught a lot more passes than that a year ago. Um, they were great blockers. Zach Horton really stepped up. But I thought that position was a little bit of a question mark going. And they had some depth, and we knew they could block. But they were a little bit more dynamic than I think what we thought they were going to be going into this season. They were. You know, a guy like Cotsenteo coming from Colorado State, where he had an NFL caliber tight end. Yeah. At his disposal, he used tight ends a lot last year, and I thought he might try to do it this year, and he did. I mean, he used Drew Painter got you know a lot. He got his most amount of touchdowns in his career this season, and and you know Horton got it on the scoring too. So these guys they're normally used for their blocking, which they can do, but you know they got rewarded at times. The touchdown Painter found himself wide open against Coastal for like basically the easiest touchdown probably of his career, and you know I think you know. They showed improvement that they they're more than just you know a big blocking tight end. They can actually get out in space and and make the defense kind of cover them a little more. All right, there, there's always talk that hey, if if there aren't enough teams, can can JMU still get a bowl game? If if there aren't enough six and six teams or six win teams, is there any is there any chance? Have you heard anything? No, there's no shot. They're done. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you like. There are a few opens. I think there's two or three spots that are going to go. They're going to that are going to go to a team that's technically not, you know, meet the win threshold. Um, but at this point, JMU's done. They technically can't practice this week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're they're done. I, I I think that you know we we heard Kurt Chignetti after the game talk about it. He said the coastal game was their bowl game. They're they're moving on to you know postseason stuff where it's it's more of the the one on one meetings this week and then hitting the portal hard and, and going kind of into the off season and getting ready for next year. So I think, you know, 
they've moved on from that. I think it's probably time for, for the rest of the Jamie fans to kind of move <laughs> on from that bowl possibility and get ready for hopefully next year they'll have the opportunity to do it. And we're talking with Noah Fleischman from the DNR as we recap JMU and Coastal Carolina and talk about this season a little bit. And I know you and I, we talked, you put yours on on, on tape with TJ, but we did not expect this to happen. That the, These guys, it was such a connected, resilient team that just exceeded, I think, everyone's expectations outside of that locker room. They all wanted to go win every game and, and felt like they could, but... Are you still just amazed at what happened? I am. I just, I, I love this team. This, I just, I am so amazed at what they did this year. It, it's just kind of, I'm speechless on almost on on what they did. I mean, it, it's something that I wasn't expecting. Obviously, you know, I think I said they were three to four win team at mm-hmm. best, and you know, they went five and zero to start. Um, so there's that. But yeah, I think they played really well in their first year. They really showed that they were ready for the move. Um, they got the right people in place and made it work. Especially, you know, with a first-year defensive coordinator at the helm, and, you know, Shanahan, who's only been the offensive coordinator, I think, for this this second year. So they really showed, you know, they got the right players in the field, the right coaches um, on the field as well, and it kind of worked out well for them. And and now it's time for something to build off. As you go 8-3 this year, now I think they're they're looking to go, you know, maybe 11-1 and next year if they want to have a full schedule. Pretty cool to to have some votes, too, to end the season that way. I know they'd love to be in the top 25, but to get some votes, that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, they got uh, four votes in the AP, two in the coaches' poll. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to be ranked, but you know, when you when you put up a forty-point win over a ranked team, I think you, you'll find some votes, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, no question. Again, we're talking with Noah Fleischman from the DNR, and now it is on to recruiting. And it, it I mean, you've got the list. It, it seems pretty impressive. On Friday, before the game against uh, against Coastal Carolina, Jordan McLeod. A verbally committed, and hopefully both you and I will get a chance to talk to him this week. But uh, what do you make of of the former Arizona Wildcat transferring to JMU? I know he was on campus, and a lot of people have talked about him. But his brother, an NFL receiver, um, obviously good bloodlines. But he's a guy that seems to be kind of like a Todd Santeo, maybe not quite as big, but a guy that can move, run. And, and Coach Signetti's talked a lot about he loves quarterbacks that can use their feet as well. It just puts the the stress on the defense. So I think this is a great get for James Madison, don't you? Oh, it is for sure. I mean, he's a guy who, I mean, if you look at his path in his career, it's very similar to Tyson Taylor. Mm-hmm. It'll be his third school. He dealt with injuries this year, didn't play. Um, so he's faced adversity, but he's also a guy who's not big. Todd's not that tall either um, for a quarterback in this, this this area of football. But, you know, the one thing he can do is he can run and throw. Um, that's what Todd did, and I think, you know, that'll help JMU not have to really adjust the offense that much. They can take what they did with Todd and Tail. You know, they're going to put their new wrinkles in it, so it's not as predictable um, for teams next year. But, you know, Jordan McLeod, a guy who he can throw on the run, um, I think that's probably his, his biggest strength, to be honest. He, he'd rather, I think, be outside the pocket, moving, you know, extending plays and things like that. So I think, you know, a high-level guy who he took his shot at the Power 5 level and it didn't end up working out. But at, at USF, his last game there, he threw for 404 touchdowns. So he's, he can do it. And I think back at the group of five level, I think he'll be able to, to shine a lot, just like Todd Sinteo did this year. And the positive is, is he's got two years of eligibility, yeah. so unlike Todd, who had one. Yeah, no question. That is a big deal. No question. We're talking again to Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record. Also, something that kind of went under the radar last year because of last week, I should say, um, Phoenix Sproles, the, the former North Dakota State wide receiver, committed. And then we get a quarterback that, that we see commit on Friday to James Madison. But between that, D'Angelo Pons, a three-star corner from Miami, um, verbally commits to James Madison. I thought that that's a pretty good get too, isn't it? 
It is. I mean, they went three for three so far on that recruiting day. Yeah, <laughs> were, a, lot, I mean, a lot of guys were there. <laughs> a lot of guys were there, and they're, they're, they're kind of racking up those commitments from that weekend. And, um, you know, Pons is a guy who plays in Miami. He plays at one of the like, you know, premier high schools um, in Miami. He's, he's not a tall. He's 5'10", you know, corner. Three-star guy, and he had offers from, from some other bigger schools. You had Tulane in there and other things like that. He's a big get. And I think, you know, one thing that is positive to see about this Jamie team is they found a lot of success with young corners this year, whether it was Brent Austin or Chauncey Logan. And I think D'Angelo Pons may walk into a situation where he's got an opportunity to, to find his way on the field next year if he can, you know, earn that spot in camp. And from what he looks like on paper, it looks like he's got a decent shot at it. You know, the one thing with this, and it happened last year too, is there's going to be an... – <laughs> I guess we can just say it's probably going to happen every year, but roster turnover is going to be pretty substantial with this team, and mainly just because of so many great seniors leaving this this program, just graduating and, and exhausting their eligibility with so many great players. Um, but there's going to be quite a bit of roster turnover, roster management. This will be uh, something that we always look at here in the off season. But it, I'm anxious to see how many transfers they bring in. About half of them worked last year. They didn't bring in a ton, but only about half of them worked last year. There's some ACC guys that certainly didn't work out that we've talked about. But um, do you feel like they'll hit the portal pretty strong just because it'll be a fairly young team coming back next year? I think so. I think they're, they will they'll do it. In um, key positions, obviously, they've done it at quarterback, which was probably priority number one. You're going to be honest here that for for them, and they've got at least one in the portal so far. It wouldn't surprise me if they brought another quarterback into um, just seeing how if what what happens in that room um, this off season. But you know, I think we may see them bring in more experienced corner again. Um, I don't know if you want to have your most experienced corner on the field being a, a true sophomore, Chauncey yeah. Logan. And so I think they may do that. Um, you can look at the safety position; they may bring in a transfer there. Um, but the only spot that I think. It's solidified right now that they're not going to have to worry about is the offensive line, and I think that that that's a spot that they they like where they're at. And I don't think I don't imagine really any of those guys hitting the portal this year. And they've all got at least one year a year of eligibility left. Most of them with two, and so I think that's you know really good. They played really well down the stretch, and I think next year that may be JMU's strongest unit yeah. going into camp. Wide receiver, I think they, they, they'll probably go there, too. We've seen one already in Phoenix Sproles. Wouldn't be surprised to get one or two more just to try and, and make that room a little bit deeper because it's a lot of young guys now with KT, Rav, TG all moving on. Um, it'll be a much different wide receiver room next year. Yeah, it will be. Reggie Brown will kind of be the, the wide yeah, receiver one will. coming into camp. And, and after that, you kind of look at the depth chart and try to figure out who else is going to really make an impact there. I mean, maybe a guy like Maxwell James can step up and, and have his opportunity. I mean, we saw him in the spring game play well, and Maybe a couple other guys, but I think they'll hit the portal there and find somebody in. Running back could also be a spot where they go pick up one or two. I mean, mm-hmm. Percy leaves, Kalon Black probably slides into that, that role that Percy's leaving open. You have Latrell Palmer back, but I think, you know, then you have Wayne Knight. Knight. Is he ready? He might be, but I think they might go get one more. I mean, unless they think Jarvis Green, who is one of the top recruits in this recruiting class, is ready for, for college football, then maybe he'll slide in that, yeah. that third running back spot that, you know, Kalon was in this year. Yeah, a couple of guys in that recruiting class that certainly could step in right away and see the field early in, in their careers. We're talking with Noah Fleischman again from the Daily News Record. I want to ask you, too, about volleyball, too. You were at their watch party last night, something that, that we've talked about here on the show already, but uh, the Dukes headed to Pittsburgh. They'll play the, the Cougars of BYU, JMU-BYU on Friday in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they had to be pretty excited. They obviously knew they were in, but to just see your name up there and everything, that had to be fun for them. 
Yeah, they were excited. They obviously didn't have to sweat it out. They knew that they were going to show up at one point or another. I mean, it took a little bit in the show, a little over halfway through the show for them to see their name pop up on the screen. But BYU is what they've got in the first round. And then if they get through there, they'll either get Colgate or Pitt. Um, but, you know, I think one thing advantage for this team is they've never played BYU in, in this conference season. They hadn't played a bunch of those teams anyway. Right. So it's really nothing new to play a new team in a new gym against new players. And I think that they're kind of excited for that challenge again. And, and have an opportunity to really make get their team's first win in the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament. They've been, this will be their seventh trip. They haven't gotten out of the first round, and I think they, are, they have a prime opportunity to do that. It's also all of this team's first um, time through, except you know the head coaching staff and everyone like that, but the players in the court, it's all their first time actually playing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it'll be fun to see them compete. And again, 24-4, and four, and they were the only Sunbelt team to make it. Texas State did not get in, so it – I mean, their resume is a little bit different than Texas State's, but if they had lost in the semifinals or the championship of the Sun Belt Tournament, probably not. Probably wouldn't have got in. I mean, they may have over Texas State. They had a better resume but they and better RPI. So um, if they hadn't won, they probably would have been sweating it out yesterday. Yeah, Texas State ended up being the second team out. Mm. So I think, Jane, you might have still like got in. the last four in. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have to worry about that. But yeah, Texas team ended up being the second team left out of the bracket. Um, and you know, I, I think that you know they're a good team. Obviously, one of the premier programs in the conference. But it is what it is. And, and Jamie's excited to be going to Pittsburgh. Not too far. They're going to just take a four-hour bus ride and then call it a day and, and have some fun. They're going to play a team who's got to get on a plane and fly across the country. Yeah. So maybe that helps them a little bit there too. Yeah, definitely could. So that'll be fun. That'll be on Friday, the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Dukes have never won an NCAA tournament game, so hopefully they can get one coming up on Friday, and then they'll face either likely Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh or Colgate in that second round. All right, my man, I appreciate you doing this all year long. Thank you for everything. Thanks for your hard work. I know you had a ton of fun doing it, but I appreciate you, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.